You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Okay, this morning, come with me to Mark chapter 5. We are going to be looking at an account in the scriptures that I believe we are quite acquainted with. Mark chapter 5, if your Bible has a subheading, it will tell you that it's the demon-possessed man healed, or the madman of gathering. And we'll read from verse 1 to 20. Praise the Lord. Can we read together? Everyone, I like to hear our voices. It's good. We read it out. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tomb, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him. And the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now, a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine, that we may enter them. And at once, Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. And there were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled. And they told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had a legion, sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when they got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in the Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. May God bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. We can start from the end. The thanksgiving that I believe God is 
charging us to even in this day, in this season, is we will do what we will do here. Praise the Lord. We are going to dance. We are going to sing. But Jesus is saying to somebody, go home to your friends and celebrate the goodness of the Lord with them. Testify to them. Call somebody on the phone. Tell them, the Lord has been good to me. Praise the Lord. Send a text message. Make a post. Praise God. This man wanted to go with Jesus and remain with Jesus, close to Jesus. But Jesus said to him, you are more effective. You have had an experience of me. He said, go home to your friends and tell them. I want somebody to receive the anointing of telling what God has done. The psalmist said, let the redeemed of the Lord say what? Say so. What is the so? I have been redeemed. I have been redeemed. You know, when they talk about witnessing and, you know, uh, evangelism and all of that, it becomes complex when you don't have an encounter. But if you have an encounter, it's very easy. Anybody you meet, tell them this is what Jesus has done for you, isn't it? That's all. This is what the Lord has done for me. And that's what the Bible says. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You don't need to say much. Just say so. Help me tell your neighbor from today, begin to say so. Unless the Lord hasn't done anything for you. But even if he hasn't, today he will do something for you. And you will have something to tell somebody. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So go home after the service and tell your friends, tell your colleagues what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, we have this account that we are reading recorded in three of the Gospels. Uh, Matthew has it, Luke has it, Mark has it. And in every place where this account is recorded, sometimes some records of scriptures, you know, the timing doesn't fit in the same way. But in this particular story about the uh, encounter with the madman at Gadarene, you will notice that every one of them carried the journey that Jesus had with disciples when he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. And it's believed by many Bible scholars that the whole challenge on that journey, when the wind was, you know, almost uh, the boat was about capsizing, they were filling with water, was all intended to prevent this account from happening. Praise the Lord. So all that resistance, and if you've been in church last Sunday and on Wednesday, we're talking about the journey and the resistance. And I want to tell somebody that all the resistance that you have been encountering is because of the victory that is on the other side. So do not faint in the name of Jesus. No, you, you shouldn't faint. Okay, the turbulence is because you're going somewhere. The wind that is contrary is trying to stop you from what God has already finished. Remember, our God is Alpha and his what? Omega. That's why Jesus, when he got up, he said to them, what's wrong? Why are you so fearful? I've finished already. We're just on the journey. Praise the Lord. Okay, from Wednesday, we made a difference between where there's resistance that God brings. If there's a resistance that God brings... You can't wait it out. You repent it out. Praise the Lord. You repent and confess and forsake, then there is healing. Amen. But the one that is from the enemy, you stand. Having done all, you do what? You stand. Having done again, you stand. You keep standing until he crumbles. Because the Bible says, submit to God, 
resist the devil, and what will happen? He will flee from you. The issue is that that resistance, we don't know how long, but sometimes many of us fail before, you know, the devil, but you will not fail. You will lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of you in the name of Jesus. So there are issues in your marriage, submit to God, resist the devil. There are issues in your finances, in your place of work, submit to God and resist the devil, and you'll see the deliverance of the Lord in Jesus' name. So that's the background to what happened here, okay? And another important thing to note before we go into the details of this text is that after Jesus finished with this man, the Bible says he got into the boat and left. So it was just for this man that Jesus came to this country. Praise the Lord, somebody. That's how important you are. For your sake alone, Jesus will travel. Hallelujah. I said, for somebody's sake alone, Jesus will travel. And the Holy Spirit is here for somebody's sake, in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, I find that from time to time, the deepest of fellowships that I have with God often comes from when I remember how he found me. Praise the Lord. Sometimes I wonder, I know you're a big God. We sang um, this kind God I never see in type, eh? I don't understand how God will have time to find me, to save me. Praise the Lord. Have you thought about it? He searched you out and got you, you know, to be saved. His Holy Spirit came in and took time to open your eyes, to open the minds, to open your understanding and save you. He did that for me. Praise the Lord, somebody. That's how deep, that's how far his love can go. He searched me out, and we see in this account how Jesus went across the sea, got down, ministered to this man. When he was done with him, he got into the boat and returned. What a God we have in him. Thank you, Jesus. I'm saying that for me. You can say that for yourself. Hallelujah. I can't forget that encounter. And I think it's about 30 years ago, you know, I think it must have been 1993 that that encounter took place. He just came in. I didn't even hear the grammar the preacher preached. The Holy Spirit just came, you know, enlightened my darkness, broke up my wickedness, woke me up from death, and I became alive. I didn't continue that after that time, but my spirit became alive. I began to know that there was something happening. Praise the Lord. And somebody will have that encounter in Jesus' name. Okay, so the Bible says uh, Jesus and the disciples, they came to the other side of the sea, I'm in verse 1 now, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately they had met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Okay? So the Bible introduces a scenario here. Jesus comes out with his disciples, and immediately a man met him. And the word of God calls this man a man with an unclean spirit. And the question you and I should ask is, what do they mean by this? Do you cite him and see him dirty? Is he a dirty man? You know, is he an unkept man? What's the situation of this man? Let's see his situation. His situation, we're told from verse 3, that he had his dwelling among the tombs. Okay? That sounds unclean. Amen? Imagine if you ask somebody his address and you say block 4, symmetry. Ooye. <laughs> you know that there's something wrong, right? That's where this man lived. Okay? He said he had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him. 
not even with chains, okay? Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him. And the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. As I read this now, can you see that this man was very strong? Praise the Lord. I never even noticed it. Can you see how strong he was? But how useful was his strength? It was a useless strength. It's not every positive attribute that is beneficial. Praise the Lord. Actually, this man, if he had been weaker, would have had a better life. Because see what happened. It says that often bound him with shackles and chains. Why do they bound him with shackles and chains? Because verse 5 says, always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs. What was he doing? He was crying, crying and crying out. And cutting himself with stones. So he was hurting himself. Okay? And yet he would not allow himself to be helped. This is a classical definition of a person who is possessed or who has an unclean spirit. It's a person that has a situation that he doesn't want to be brought out of. Whereas he also doesn't like his condition. Because if we have been told that this man was in the tombs night and day, singing and, you know, just having a good time. Then we say, we understand why he doesn't want to be bound. We understand why he doesn't want to be, you know, uh, shackled. Praise the Lord. But he will break the shackles and you will think that freedom or liberty will lead him in the direction that will bring peace to him. But his freedom and liberty led him completely to a place of sadness and sorrow. And that is the classical definition of a person with an unclean spirit. Where you're being helped, you're being told to do what is best for you. You refuse to do what is best for you. You make a choice to do what you want to do. Then you do what you want to do and you're crying and you're sad. It reminds me of the picture of, you know, most of us when we're students. The lecturer comes and is teaching and you're gisting. He gives assignment, you don't do the assignment. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You refuse to do the assignment. When exam comes, you're scratching, you're looking at the ceiling. You fail and you're crying. You situated yourself in a place where you will fail. I thought you would have failed... You know, I read um, about one of the um, serial killers in the U.S., okay, many years ago. So when he was convicted and uh, sentenced to death, he said, yeah, 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 that's right. He said that comes with the territory, which means he knew what he was doing and he was expecting, he didn't cry. He said, yeah, that comes with the territory. He's going to die. But he killed at least about 13 or 15 people. So he wasn't remorseful. And uh, the other man also, what, is there an any? Oh, no, it was Big Fish. Okay, Big Fish was... A big criminal in Nigeria. Okay, so when he was convicted and tied to the stake, and they wanted to interview him, and, and, you know, everybody, most people at that time are remorseful and asking their mother, their wives, everybody for forgiveness. They asked Big Fish, say, yeah, yeah, Big Fish, I'm dying. Yeah, this is me. <laughs> you know, no remorse, nothing like that. But we see this situation, and as we read this, we want to take a step back and ask ourselves, this man, they tried to hold him so that he won't cut himself. He breaks the bones. He tears off the shackles. Then he's cutting himself. Then he's crying. What a combo. A classical definition of a manifestation of an unclean spirit. Praise the Lord, somebody. You know, this is so deep, we may not have time to go into the details, but if anybody wants to study psychology, this is where you go. When you refuse cancer, the Bible says, in the multitude of cancer, there is safety. You refuse cancer. They say, read your Bible, you won't read. They say, pray, you won't pray. Then you enter trouble, you start shouting. Praise the Lord. They say, uh, keep yourself clean. Don't commit fornication. Then you commit fornication, you get pregnant, you start crying. What are you crying for? 
You order something, they deliver your crime. You call uh, Gigi. Is it Gigi or, or Jumai? Konga. And you place an order. Then pay. And then they deliver. He said, hey, what are you crying for? You ordered it. It's an unclean spirit. Something is wrong. When you order it, when it comes, you should say, yeah. <laughs> Do you understand? No, it shouldn't be. For me, the picture that came for me now is the student. I was a student. How many of us were students here? I was a student, and I think I must have had a problem of an unclean spirit. Because I will go to class, I will not listen. As if I was posing for the teacher. The teacher is teaching, and you think you're dealing with him by not listening to him. They paid him to do what he's doing. Whether you listen or not will not affect his salary. You know? And then, and then, <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Praise the Lord. And may our children be wiser than us in Jesus' name. You know? And then the result comes your sad. What are you sad about? What are you sad about? They say read before you come to class. Pay attention then read after. You don't do any of that. And you have the same time. Hallelujah. So we see the man's situation and we see his condition. And his situation would have been excusable if his condition was conducive for him. But we saw that his condition was not conducive for him. And we can actually take this higher because I want to break it down so that everybody hearing me will understand what we are talking about. Because the scriptures, the Bible says we are reaching for our admonition. You understand what we are talking about? How long will you continue to do things that every night your conscience will be beating you? Why? Praise the Lord. For any other reason, whether you hate anybody, you don't like anybody, but at least because when you get home, even though some people were going to get to them, their consciences have been seared with a hot iron, is dead already. But you're listening to me now. How long will you do something, wipe it on the phone, clean it, and then come back, and your heart is beating? How are you going to continue like that? It's a problem. You must be delivered in the name of Jesus Christ. It's not about any. It's you and you. You go out, you do something, you know, you watch something, then, you know, you wipe, you clean, you see, then your conscience is beating you. That means the thing you're doing is not conducive for you. You don't need a third party. I want you to understand what I'm trying to say. If that thing you're doing, you sit back and you don't analyze your day every day from morning to night and say, yes, I did this. It is I. Praise Jesus. So this man, this was his, they showed us his situation and his condition. And then, but something also very interesting we saw in this man is that the moment he saw Jesus from afar, the Bible says he ran and did what? And worshipped him. He ran and worshipped him. And this one got me, you know, real scared because I said, so a man that is this bad can discern that Jesus must be worshipped. Now, some people, we cannot look at them and call them possessed with unclean spirit, but they don't want to worship Jesus. Hello? Are we together here? Some people, you look at them intellectual, intelligent, enlightened, exposed, you know, classy, all of that. But when you talk about God, they have no time for him. And we see a man that is obviously, you know, demon-possessed. But this man ran at the sight of Jesus, fell on his feet, and worshipped him. You know the Bible says, at the name of Jesus, what happens? Every knee should bow. Of things in heaven, of things on earth, and of things beneath the earth. This man in his madness. You know, it reminds me of a story. You know, that I read. Some of us may have read it. You know, 
a group of people were driving on the road. And then they had a problem with one of their tires. Okay? And they were so confused. They didn't know what to do. So a supposedly madman met them and asked them, what's the problem? They said this tire has gone off. Okay? And all the wheel nuts, you know, they can't find them. So they have the tire, but they don't have nuts, you know, wheel nuts to tight the tire to it. So the madman said to them, loosen one knot from the other three tires so that the other tires will have three tires each and then tighten this one and continue. So they looked at him. They said, ah, and we thought you're mad. He said, no, I'm crazy. You are mad. You know, you're the mad one. I'm crazy because if you can't think about that. Do you understand? Because it's so easy. You know, we judge from our prison. We judge from our own outlook. We judge from the angle we look at. So we look at this man and I'm looking at some things that he ran and worshipped him. I know as a young person, you know, those days our parents would take us to church. Once they park, we'll stay at the gate under the uh, tree and we gist and gist and gist. We won't come into worship, but nobody will call us demon possessed. Praise the Lord. Today's time now, you know, all kinds of things are available for people to engage themselves. But the devotion to their maker, to the God that whenever, I've not seen anybody who dies and his family boasted this man hated God. Have you heard, have you seen, have you heard? The person that when you were born also, they did not say of this person's birth, ah, the devil has given us a wonderful child. That means he's alpha to everybody and he's omega to everybody. He's acknowledged at birth, he's acknowledged at death. No matter who, I mean, I can say almost everybody. So if that is true, why is it that in the course of the person's existence, the common sense to say that I should bow my knees to my maker should not be there. May God help us in Jesus' name. But it gets more interesting even in this account. Six says, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. Then seven again says, and he cried out with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with you? Jesus, son of the most high God, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. We must answer a question here, and the question we must answer is this. Who is who? Praise the Lord, somebody. What did I say? Who is who? Because he said, he ran and worshipped him. Then this other person, you know, also said what? What do I have to do with you? Which means, I don't want to deal with you. I don't want anything to do with you. So, who actually is speaking here? Who, which one is which? I want to believe from what the scripture is showing us here. That the man created in the image and likeness of God was the one who fell at Jesus' feet and worshipped him. Praise the Lord. But remember, we are told that he had an unclean spirit. Okay? The demons inside of him were the ones who said what? What do we have to do with you? Now, but what I see there that is very interesting that I need you to follow me to, you know, discover. Is that even though the man ran and fell before Jesus in worship. The demons didn't want Jesus to deal with them. But there were some things the demons knew. They had some knowledge that would help every one of us and help the man. The first thing was that these demons cried out with a loud voice and said what? What have we to do with who? With who? Who was Jesus? The son of the most high God. Do you know that the Pharisees and the Sadducees did not believe that Jesus was the son of the most high God? But demons believed. Praise the Lord. Demons believe. 
The Pharisees were the custodians of the law. They were the ones that knew every page, every you know, corner of the scripture. They could quote it to you. But they did not perceive that this was the son of God. But we can see in this account, we can see demons testifying. And that is scary. Praise the Lord. You know why that is scary? Because some of us, the confidence that we have that makes us go out and come back every day is that if you ask us, we say we are Christians. You say what? You say I believe in Jesus, the son of God. Can you see that in that fellowship of just believing Jesus is the son of God? It's not only you. Who are the other people there? They are there as well. And they are doing better than us in some areas. James 2.19, please, can you put it on the screen for us? I need you to follow me this morning. Praise the Lord. James 2.19, what does it say? It says, you believe that there is one God. It says, you do well. But the demons, what do the demons do? I need everybody. It says, even the demons do what? They have an extra. They tremble. Some of us believe and we chill. The demons believe and they what? And they tremble. That's what happened there. They say, what have we to do with you, Jesus, the son of the most high God? See, another thing we learn from these demons here. Very important. The next thing we see is that they said to Jesus, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For us to get the full of that, let's go to the account in Matthew 8, 29. They said something there that is small but very critical. They said to Jesus, Matthew 8, 29. It says, have you come here to torment us how before the time demons had an understanding that there is a day of judgment praise the lord you see uh, growing up my parents belonged to uh, one of those groups in the east a few of us may still know it's people's club now people's club had this song they would say uh, uh, people's club they would say let them enjoy life let them chop life when they finish chopping life, they will find out what is happening tomorrow. The demons knew that as they were, unquote, chopping life, judgment was coming tomorrow. If men knew that there is a day of judgment, they would chop life with sense. Hallelujah. If men knew the awesomeness of the God who controls this world, that times and seasons are in his hands. We are men. You see, the danger with man is that when our pride fills us, we imagine ourselves beyond our abilities. All we know is now, we don't even know this afternoon. It should humble you that you don't know. But when you hear man boasting, he says, I will deal with you. I will show you. Somebody that can say, I will deal with you and stroke will hook his left hand. And that's it. He'll need to open his mouth for them to put food. But he'll just be boasting. But demons know better. They know that there is a time of judgment. So their challenge with Jesus was, the time you told us hasn't reached. Allow us to destroy lives now. Allow them to enjoy themselves. Do you understand? Knowing that a time was, we said before the time, what time? Torment. They know. Praise the Lord. They know. Still talking about school. Praise. Are you with me? Still talking about school. I don't know. Are there students here? I think God is speaking to a student. Still talking about school. I think the problem many of us had was that when we entered school, okay, some of us, our parents did not go to, you know, school, you know. So when we entered school, we finished our accomplishment by entering school. We didn't know that 30 years after we leave school, they would say, did you make first class? If I knew it, I would have struggled for first class. But I thought that 30 years, they would say, did you go to school? 
So when you now talk about school now, some people will immediately stand up and say I'm a first class engineering graduate. Some people just say I went to school. They're the ones who came out with Igbo, Igbo, BK, third class, you know, history, single, zero class, you know. But those who thought of, of the finish, what I'm trying to is important. We can laugh. But if I knew that even when I'm a grandfather, my children could say their father had a first class, I would have given it to them. I thought all they'll be saying is their father went to the university. The demons knew. They say, have you come to torment us, what, before the time? They were conscious of the time. If you're conscious of the time, you are a lot wiser than the person by your side. And the demons had it. Okay? So that was what they declared. They said, Jesus, what is the problem? We're not expecting you now. Don't disturb us. Okay? Let's see the conversation that follows with him. So Jesus Said, you know, verse 8 says, For Jesus had said to the man, Come out of the man on clean spirit. Okay? And he asked him, What is your name? And the man said, Legion. Or the demon said, Legion. For we are many. Okay? A legion could be between a thousand and six thousand number of soldiers. Okay? So these demons were in the range of one thousand to six thousand. So you can begin to imagine the state of that man when he had at least a thousand demons in him. That's how come he could, you know, tear, break down shackles and all of that. And, you know, as I read this story, several things come to my mind. Now, you begin to see the so-called strength that this man was operating in. If he had a thousand demons in him, that's how come he could snap chains. Praise the Lord. That's how come he could snap chains. Now, some of us may remember, I know people like that are not here, but some of us may remember people we knew that were anointed in evil. That's if it comes to womanizing, they can do it, you know. You know, some people need money to chase women. Some people, just with their mouth, is a demonic spirit. Some people can lie. Hmm. It's a demonic spirit. Some people are so bold that even you, you stay with them, that say something, you're looking at them. <laughs> Have you seen such people? It's an anointing. A thousand demons. That's how come the man could all pray like that. And some of these things, you see it and you envy the person, you celebrate the person. No, a lot of the people that are in the world, that the world celebrates, it's a demonic spirit. It's something that is not natural. Praise the Lord. And please, that is not to scare any one of us here because at the center of this account is the Lordship of Jesus, which we are going to see. Praise the Lord, somebody. Because you begin to see what is happening here. You see, there is respect in the spirit. Sometime here we learnt about, you know, the way things operate in the spirit. In the spirit realm, there is respect. It's only in the natural realm that there is disobedience. There is respect in the spirit. That's why the moment Jesus appeared, the demons took dressing. They took dressing. They were oppressing the man and oppressing the whole environment. But when Jesus appeared, Jesus did not need chain to bind the man. In fact, Jesus did not call the man to come. When he saw Jesus, they knew that their master had come. They all ran and appeared. Have you been, you know, been with a friend who is a military officer and, you know, he's a big man, you're posing with him. Then you get into an environment and then there's a superior officer there. Your friend will almost deny you. Just, huh? you wonder, nobody saw God with me and I'm the pose. Immediately, he takes dressing. Why? Because in that environment, there is order. Praise the Lord. So as we are speaking here, know that you have come to the master himself. Praise the Lord, somebody. You have come to the master of masters. The king of kings. Hallelujah. 
You're going to see that as we're following the story. So they answer legion. And then look at verse 10. Very important for any person here who is born again. I want you to hear this word. The demons also what? Begged him earnestly. Now listen to me. The Bible says he that is in Christ is a new creation. All things are passed away. All things are what? Become new. Now in the past, you were supposed to be afraid of devils and demons and noise in the window. You know, bed flapping with one wing. You know, the pussycat waving to you and all of that. Now, the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is what? The only conversation you ought to be having with them is them begging you. And he, and the he here is at least between 1,000 and 6,000. They begged him. Hello? They begged him. They begged him. They pleaded with him. They prayed to him. Say, please, don't send us out of the country. That is whose you are. That is the one you belong to. That is the fellowship you have. That is the authority you have as a child of God. It says the, to us has been given the name that is above every other name. It says go there. It says all authority in heaven and on earth has been what? Given to me. It says go therefore. Somebody here, you're afraid to go to your village. You've not claimed the land that your father left for you because you're afraid. After this service, buy ticket. You know, go to that village and go and call the, all the people that make noise there. Tell them that. I did not know. I was ignorant. Now, this is who I am. And I give you right. Two days. Either pack out or shape up. In the name of Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because greater is it. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. There is no contest of it. The only thing that can happen is ignorance of it. And when you're ignorant of it, the devil knows. But when you know it, there is no contest. They begged him. They didn't resist. They said, please, don't send us out of the country. And I don't want to talk of country. Praise the Lord. I don't want to talk about the demons that don't want to leave this country. We may come back to it. Praise the Lord. But there are demons that, you know, like a particular location. Can we see Titus 1.12? You see, somebody was speaking. It was Paul that was speaking. And he says, Cretans. He said, one of your own, one of the prophets your own, has said that word. You're always liars, evil beasts, and lazy glutons. So, this demon was what was operating in Crete. Now, what do you think is the demon operating in Nigeria? The demons or the legions in Nigeria, I think their name must be Koro, Kara, Koro, Koro. That all the millions of them are corruption. They don't want to leave. I was speaking to someone who, um, a truck that he was using to move, Move some of his equipments was stolen. And he was telling me his encounter with the police. How much they've collected from him already. Sometimes you're wishing, you're just wondering. And I tell people, the challenge with corruption is that you can't dodge it. You might escape it because you're this, but he will catch your child, he will catch your staff, he will catch, he will, he will meet you at every point. Okay? So this demon said to Jesus, please don't send us out of the country. We are comfortable in this environment. We are studied. And you know demons, even the devil, is not omniscient. The devil doesn't know everything. Praise the Lord. Do you know that? No, he doesn't know everything. But he is smart. So he learns. So why do they not want to leave the country? Because they have the dozier of the people in that country. 
You're going to say as the story goes on. So they know that these people in this country, once, no matter how the man shouts in church on Sunday, if you give him bribe on Monday, he will collect. Whereas the environment is that if you give somebody bribe, you go to jail. Uh, this man that died, this uh, Berlusconi, the former prime minister of Italy, how many of us know him? You know, the very powerful man. That, you see, one of the issues that he had was that they arrested a young girl who was overspeeding. I think one of his uh, mistresses who was overspeeding. And then this mistress in the police station made a call to the man who was a big, you know, like uh, maybe in class of, maybe someone like Babangida in the country now. You know, be minister over time, just a powerful man in the country. I made a call to him and the Balasconi made the mistake of calling the division police officer to intervene. That was how they began investigation on him. Say who? I arrested somebody for drunk driving over speeding and you're calling me. That's how DPO was the key in bringing down corruption that had lasted for decades. You know why? Because that environment, that demon is not operating. If it's Niger, did he say, ah, sir, on duty, anything for God? So that's why they don't want to leave environment. They've studied the people. And then when they're about to catch the man, he will raise the voices of their tribesmen. And say, hey, he stole, but uh, he stole now. But he's still the only one. Yeah? That's the problem. Anyway, so they said, no, don't send us out. But, but it gets more interesting, praise the Lord. Verse 11 says, Now a large herd of swine was feeding there by, near the mountains. So the demons begged him again. Verse 12. Can you see the beg? I wish you had your Bible underlined. They begged him again. Now I want you to pause for a moment and think. What area do you feel that you're having some resistance? Maybe you've been begging demons. You had the order reversed. The Bible says, When I come, the song, In the name of Jesus. <laughs> He said, tell me who has the power to oppose. Do you get what I'm talking about? That's where they belong. You and I are seated in heavenly places, far above principalities and powers. That's where you are. Praise the Lord, somebody. Yes, that's where you are. And the demons are below, below, below. Okay. So they begged him and they said to him, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And Tertim says, there are little things there. I pray I'm not moving too fast. At once, Jesus gave them permission. Okay? Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. Okay? There were about 2,000. That is to let us know that the demons were more than 2,000. Are you with me? And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Now, so many things in this verse 13. And I want us to take it one after the other. The first one I want to take is from the lowest one. Is that the head of swine. When the demons entered them, they thought, swine, I am. Hmm? But, and you know swine, pig. Pig is dirty. Pig is all of that. But pig had enough dignity to look at its accommodation and say, so I will share this body with demons. I would rather die. Are you with me? The pigs thought that they pigs were too clean. You know, the word of God is deep. If they said, you know, there was a, a pack of horses or dogs 
We can understand, you know, these are a bit, you know, cleaner. This is a pig, the dirtiest that you can think of. And the pig said, we are too clean for this demon to be in us. We'll rather die. So they committed suicide. Now the question is this. If pigs can so have respect for themselves and dignity for themselves. Sister, I'm begging you. What dignity do you have for yourself? Brother, what dignity do you have for yourself? If you measured your life, can this pig say, would they look up to you and, and have some respect? You can imagine what went into the heads of these pigs. He said, you demons, you come into me, you're dying today. That's what they said. And you look at human beings. I was shown a picture recently. Some of us may have seen the picture. One of the diplomats that the U.S. sent to Brazil. You know, there was a state function. And the man went there with his so-called wife. And the wife was a man. Was he bearded? Bearded. I was wearing this gown, this uh, evening dress. You know? And he's a diplomat. Pigs will look at it and say, child. That's what pigs will do. That's what dogs will do. When they say LGBT, animals will say, look at human beings. They will say they'd rather die. You know, anybody telling you LGBTQ rights, tell them that dogs are not even doing it. Animals are not even, they don't consider themselves that low. But human beings created in the image and likeness of God are doing it with dignity. It's because we need to question what dignity they now have. Because this animal said, no, demons, we are not sharing our dirty body with you. You're too dirty. And it's too easy to look at it that way, size and mass. But if we begin to look at Nigeria, the question that comes to my mind is this. I don't know about you, but, you know, God's grace will continue to keep me and keep all of us in Jesus' name. But if there's a record that I stole, God forbid, that I stole maybe money from the Father's church, God forbid. I will not come tomorrow and contest to be this general overseer of the Father's Church. I will not come tomorrow and be boasting that I want to move you forward. The, I'm a thief. Everybody knows you're a thief. Then you want to answer honorable. You want to answer president. You want to answer governor. It's only in Nigeria that corrupt people have no shame. There's no dignity. You know why? Because even we ourselves don't respect ourselves to feel that this man should not be head over us. It's because our values are so lost that the only thing we value in Nigeria is money, irrespective of how the money is made. But animals are not like that. Many of us have relations, uncles, friends that are thieves, and the way you smile and laugh at them. I'm telling you what I mean. When my father died, we have a friend, you know, growing up, he was our friend, who became, you know, a big deal in, in Anambra State, Okay. And when he came to the function, he's older than me, maybe almost 10 years older. I could not get myself to stand up to greet him. But everybody stood up and was hailing him. Because he's a multi-billionaire. If I call his name, you know. He's our friend. He, grew, he used to lie down in our sitting room and, you know, just play with us. But I couldn't. Why? Because the testimony he had was dishonorable. I can't give him honor. If half Nigerians would begin to refuse... To honor thieves, Nigeria will change. But more than half of Nigerians will raise a song for a thief. Swine didn't do that. Hallelujah. They have appointed me PA. And you're rejoicing. PA to who? PA to a thief. What are you thinking? Who are you, sir? The swine said, no, we'll rather die. Because they had some dignity. They had some self-respect. They asked themselves, how did God create swine? 
And they said, okay, swine will play in the mall, swine will use its you know, snout and you know, pick up food from rubbish. But did God create us to be demon carriers? They said, no. They said, we won't do it. And I'm asking Nigerians, what did they create us? Intelligent people, enlightened people, the, the most intelligent people in the world. One of the top educated you know, groups in the United States, excelling in everywhere. What will deliver this nation is dignity. When you look at a man, no matter if they lie, let them appoint him chancellor of the exchequer. Uh, Whatever it is, when you look at him, you see this man stolen NDDC, this man stolen Ministry of Work, this man stolen, are you a thief? That's what will end this nonsense. But the moment the person enters position, <laughs> you see smile. <laughs> That's a problem. The swine said, no, we are dirty, but no. We are poor, but no. We may not have money, but no. We will not give you honor. Do you know how much your honor is valued? By who you celebrate, who you follow. Who is your master? We say he's our master. A thief is your master. You know what that makes you? No, if a thief is your master, you're lower than a thief. Alibaba and the 40. That, that's the leaders we have. No respect. No dignity. I'm telling you what I mean this. If I steal, eh, God forbid, I'll never steal. But if I steal, and then, if I want to talk, I'll be doing like this. If I want to buy something, I'll say, please, give me coke. But in Nigeria, when people finish stealing, they will boast how rich they are. And they ask them, nah, which business did you do? He said, I hate it. It's funny, but it's not funny, sir. Are you hearing me? It's funny. There's no respect. We're so far from where God kept us. Remember, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And the Bible talking about God says God is right. He says all his ways are just. If you're born again, you cannot be comfortable with injustice. Even if it's going to cost you your arm. That's dignity. You can't enjoy it being done to anybody. I can't remember the last time I fought. But a few months ago, I think it was sometime last I was ready to fight. Because we're somewhere to uh, do some transactions with some uh, electronics we bought. And there was this man that was just harassing, you know, the customer services lady. Just harassing and insulting the lady. And we're just standing, waiting, you know, irate customers, you know, they're, they're everywhere. And the man went on and was just calling this lady all kinds of names. Until the man started insulting the husband. He said, I wonder which kind of man is married you. Which kind of man is keeping the house. That was I said, it's enough. I'm a pastor, but I can fight now. Do you understand? I said it's enough. You know what? There's dignity. I saw the dignity of the woman being so dim. How do you begin to insult somebody because of a commercial transaction? I begin to say, what kind of man kept you in the house? I said, no, that's enough. So I told the man, no, enough. You can't continue like that. That's dignity. Praise the Lord. So the swine, they teach us, sons and man, that there's respect. I command the restoration of self-respect to you in Jesus' name. Of self-dignity to you. It, that's what we lack in Nigeria. I got a job, I got a job. Where did you get a job? You got a job among thieves. Now, I'm not saying country hard. If you must get the job, don't boast about it. Hide it. Don't make noise about it. It's not honorable. Praise the Lord, somebody. Hallelujah. Okay, so that's that investigation. But another thing we see there, very important, is that... Verse 13 says, the second statement in verse 13 says, Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. What I want you and I to think about is, so as animalistic 
as base and as, you know, low in the level of creation, swine are. The demon could not forcefully enter them. They needed permission to enter them. Hello, did you hear me? It says, and at once, what happened? Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirit entered. What I want to ask you, sir, how then did they enter the man? How then did they enter the man? Could Jesus have given them permission to enter the man? Absolutely not. So how then did they enter the man? Can you please put Romans 6.16 for me? Because you need to understand the scriptures and the power of God. You need to. This is the way it works. God, after God, the way God made it. He said, you have made man. What is man that thou art mindful of him? You have made him a little lower than Elohim. God, man, that's the level where we are. And demon spirits were able to enter this man. 1,000, 2,000 plus. How could it be? And they couldn't enter the swine. This is what the Bible says. Read it for me, everybody. It says, do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey? You are that one slaves whom you obey. Whether of sin leading to, of obedience leading to. Child of God, every willful disobedience is permission to demonic spirits. These are the things you should hear when you go to church. So, you're a Christian and you watch pornography. You have written a letter. Every unclean spirit in the region of uh, sub-Saharan Africa... And the ones that don't have accommodation in the Arctic, Antarctic, Arctic, you know, you say you're, you're, you're calling them. When they come in, they're coming in with right and authority. Because you have presented yourself slave to obey. You see, we shout it all the time. Righteousness and purity is not for your neighbor. There are things happening in the spirit. Do you understand? Fornication, which fornication? Praise God. Fornication is a word that, you know, is old school now. Okay? But in the Bible, okay, captures every sexual activity outside of marriage. Okay? So whether it's uh, adultery, whether it's lesbianism, whether whatever you call them, fornication is an application to the devil to come and enter. Are you hearing me? How could swine operate and be safe from demon possession? How could a man be full of demons? Because the man is given the right to open his gate or to close his gate. Swine doesn't have that. So Jesus had to permit. And the demons couldn't break into the swine. But when a man says, I make up my mind to go this way, God cannot stop you. The only way he can stop you is by sending a prophet that you're hearing now. He says, by a prophet, the Lord brought Israel out of captivity. By a prophet, he preserved. That's why you need to hear the word of God. Because it's that word that you're going to hear that will be the instrument of your deliverance. You can't, as a man, you can't play it. No, no, you can't play it with the devil. He wants to come in. Every sin is an invitation, is a permission to whomsoever you present yourself. You don't need to put the word slave. To whomsoever you enjoyingly obey. He said you become that one slave. That's what it is. That's what it is. That's what it is. In whatever area, this is the direction God says to go. You go this direction, that means you obey the enemy. He says we're, we're in this together. 
The Bible says, can two walk together unless they be? This day is a day of deliverance for somebody. In the name of Jesus. I said today is a day of deliverance for somebody. You're here and the spirit of God is telling you, look at it. Don't be afraid. Because when Jesus spoke, there was no struggle. I'm telling you, I may not have to lay hands on anybody, but somebody's been delivered. In the name of Jesus. You ought not to go from here, hearing this word, and continue because a superior authority is speaking over you now. And the willful, the lawful captive shall be set free. In the name of Jesus. That whole association over years is broken today in the name of Jesus. Somebody say, I'm free. Because these are the issues. And then we talk and talk and talk and talk. Talk, talk, talk. It's only the power of God. Our Lord Jesus Christ says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. It's not just ordinary talk. We enter into the secret of God. And we see the way it operates. We open ourselves carelessly, recklessly. In the physical, you don't go to Wuse Market and leave your windows down with your bag down, you know, out there and your phone out there. Do you do that? You lock it up. That's what the Bible says. Every careless word. There are words some of us have spoken that today, by the authority of God, I stand and I nullify it together with you in the name of Jesus. There are careless words. There are careless actions. Things that you have spoken that have permitted the demonic spirit, you know, wickedness to come into you. In fact, there are beliefs that so many of us have. He say in this country, you can never make it unless you're a crook. That is an invitation to demonic suppression. Because you can never, you will never see anything good. Because, you see, what you're saying is that the only foundation that Nigeria can be built on is foundation of corruption. That's what we're saying. But today there is mercy. I say there is mercy. There is mercy. I say there is mercy. In the name of Jesus Christ. There is mercy. Yes, sir. So, the man, at some point in his life, and I believe gradually, you know, gave permission. There are places you go you shouldn't go to, sir. There are environments you stay in that you shouldn't stay. There are environments you enter into. How many of us did a Felash Shrine those days? Only me. You see, those days, when he entered Felash Shrine, even though he was open about his own, he didn't pretend. You know, at a season, at a point in it, they would say they are worshipping whatever God, you know. But all of that was sensual. And, but you see, if you enter Felash Shrine, I didn't used to drink, I didn't used to smoke, I didn't. But the borders that smoking will get you high. The environment carries demonic spirits. Are you with me? There are some environments you cannot go to and relax, except you're going on a mission. The environment you just don't hang around. You say you're hanging around because something might drop. Are you a dog? No, no. You don't do that. There are things you don't open yourself to. Why? Listen, sir. Listen, my brother. Your soul is too precious. Can you see that from a man's 2,000 at least swine drowned because what the value of that man was was greater than 2,000 swine is not small money. We are talking of in Nigeria's money now, it might be running into hundreds of millions. Swine is not cheap. But the soul of a man, Jesus adjured that this man's soul is more precious than this. Praise the Lord. Okay, so let's move and round up this that we are doing today. Okay, so they ran and drowned. Now, this is the reaction of the people. Verse 14 says, So those who fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that happened. 
Then they came to Jesus and they saw the one who had been demon possessed and had a legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Praise the Lord. That is somebody's testimony in the name of Jesus. Everything is turning around. I said everything will turn around in the name of Jesus. All of a sudden, with your eyes now, you will look at what used to capture you and you're wondering what were you doing there. Is someone hearing me? You look at yourself and see how clean God has made you. You will stand in the mirror as a young lady and wonder why should you sell this body? For what? Why should you demean this treasure? You're a princess. Are you listening to me? You're not a toy for any man. Better to be poor and have dignity than to have some things and then, you know, what are we talking about? Do you know how much it takes to make you, to keep you, to sustain you? The grace of God, the power of God, the wisdom of God. Do you know the future God has for you? Are you understanding what this thing is about? It's not about flats. It's not about some 500 million from... No, it's nothing like that. It's about raising your head and the angels still respect you. It can imagine what demons and angels, when they look at some human beings, are wondering, do they know who they are? Growing up, some of the things we used to hear is, you know, up and one, yeah. That's how angels... They say, this is a child of God. Though. Do you carry yourself that when they see, say, ah, truly, now in Papa Bonham? Or do you carry yourself in a way that they see and they have... They say, God, I, God, sorry. Which kind of king? That's not a portion in Jesus' name. Okay, so it was close sitting in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those 16 says, and those saw it, told them how it happened and who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Okay? Verse 17 gets very interesting. Verse 17 says, then the people of the city began to plead with Jesus to depart from their region. You know, the first line I wrote when um, I received that this was what I was going to share, was that, you know, oftentimes the beginning doesn't predict the end of a story. Praise God. Yeah, many times the beginning doesn't predict the end. You know why? Because at the beginning of this story, the madman was the one who was filled with demons. But now look at this verse 17. The people of the city pleaded with Jesus the Savior to depart from their region. The madman said, Jesus, I want to stay with you. Now, who is mad? Who is mad? In, when I see things like this, praise the Lord, I want to learn from it. I, I say, Holy Spirit, what, what do I learn from it? And what I was you know, being shown from it, you know, brothers and sisters, is that this life is deep. Because you look at someone, and you can almost say, surely he's mad. But then, you look at yourself, and you can almost say, surely you're not mad. But on what basis are you saying who is mad and who is not mad? You see, that man was mad because he was naked. So his dressing showed that he had problems. Okay? His dwelling showed he had problems. But the people of the city probably, you know, came out in suits, you know, looking nice, gaily dressed like, you know, uh, baristaticness, you know. But, but then, when you see their judgment, you see that the other man was mad externally. But these people were mad. In t- now, a man comes, a problem that he had had that no man could solve. Somebody comes and solves it. And then you say to him, go, go, go. Why did they say they go? Because they lost 2,000 swine. And they didn't want to lose anymore. Praise the Lord. Okay. So what is madness? It has to do with your sense of judgment, right? It has to do with your, you know, definition of what is proper and what is improper. So this whole city agreed that 
it is better for us to have this man demon possessed than for us to lose a herd of swine. Now, they also, in their mind, thought that somebody who could do what the whole city could not do cannot give them sustenance to enable them to recover the loss of their swine. Are you seeing it now? Because if you were the owner of the swine, you would have felt it. But then, if Jesus is there, you can also go to him, knowing that this one is compassionate. Knowing that this one is merciful. Did he heal the man out of a business venture? It was mercy. So they could have also gone to him and said, Oh God, we thank you. You have done a wonderful work for us. This thing you did is really a wonder. But Oga, oh please, we have a small problem. Eh? You see this swine? That's our source of livelihood. How are we going to do? What do you think Jesus would have done? What do you think? Let's rise on our feet. The issue was that they had a bad judgment. You see, it's better to be mad and crazy and they know than for you to have a wrong judgment of God. When you say to people now, give your life to Christ, they look at it as, what does Christ want from me? He wants me to do this. He wants me to do that. It's a wrong judgment. What Jesus says is this. He said, the thief did not come but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus' interaction with you always is that you may have life. He cannot do you bad. He is the son of God yesterday, today, and forever. But he became son of man just to save you and I. He didn't have to go to the cross. Listen, when Jesus was born on earth, the angels physically were seen singing because they could not imagine that their master, their creator, would dwell on this dirty earth. But he did it for you. He did it for me. Now, when a man is told, receive Jesus into your life, and he's thinking twice, I tell you, I was mad, but I'm no longer mad. Because for you to reject the gospel, we must ask you, what is it? He says, the power of God unto salvation to them that believes. How can you be ashamed of it? How can somebody being cleansed be ashamed of it? How can somebody being clothed with righteousness be ashamed? How can somebody having the privilege of your sins washed away be ashamed of it? It is something you run to. We saw the video of the lady that was dancing and singing hallelujah that they put her into a cabinet. Jesus wants to put you into a cabinet. Let's close our eyes. He wants to bring you into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. I'm talking to somebody here and I want to pray with you anywhere you are. I want you to place your hand on your chest. If you want to say, Jesus, today I come and I surrender this life to you. Anywhere you are, I want to pray with you. Jesus, I want you to take over this life. I come to surrender my life to you. Maybe you've done it before, but you never really understood it. But there is mercy in the house today. Jesus is in the house today and he has touched you. Will you respond to him? The people of the city said, go, we don't want you. But he came to them. So the Bible says, he came to his own. But his own did not receive him. But he said, as many as received him. He said, he gave them power to become the sons of God. That's power over demons. Power over besetting habits. Power over shameful living. Jesus, if your hand is on your chest, I want you to say after me, Lord Jesus. Today, today, today. I hear your voice. I open up my heart. Come into my heart today and take your place. Save me from me. Save me from the doors that have opened, knowingly and unknowingly. Wash me 
Jesus with the blood you shed on the cross of Calvary. And today, write my name in your book of life. I come to you never to turn back. I come to you never again to turn back. You are Lord. You are God. You are my Lord. You are my God. Praise the Lord. The rest of us, I want us to do something today. Psalm 71 verse 15. Because the conclusion of that story, uh, the account we are reading, is that the man said to Jesus, I want to go with you. I want to stay with you. You're the best thing that ever happened to me. That's what the man said to Jesus. But Jesus said to him, no, you'll be useful. Go and tell your brethren. Tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. Now, one of the true evidences of encounter with Jesus is that you can't keep your mouth shut. Hello? Praise God. What did I say? Is that when you encounter him, you can't keep your mouth shut. You will tell somebody. Now, some of us here have never told anybody that we are born again. What Jesus has done for us. I want to believe that if you didn't come out, then you already have experienced it before now. So the step you're going to take, because the Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. Are you with me? You will use your mouth to testify that Jesus has saved you. You use your mouth to testify that Jesus has delivered you. You use your mind to say that I used to be this, but this is what Jesus has done for me. Is uh, someone hearing? You use your mouth to tell your wife, your husband, your children, your brothers, your colleagues, and tell them if this thing had come near me before now, ah, I would have done this. But since Jesus came into my life, I'm a new creation. Is somebody hearing me? This is what he's requiring. This is he said, My mouth shall what? Tell of your righteousness. And what else? And your salvation all the day. He said, for I do not know their... I can't count them. I can't count them. Can you give us a message translation of that, please? He said, I'll write the book on your righteousness. Talk up your salvation the lifelong day. Never run out of good things to write or say. Easy to read. Just any of the versions. Thank you. He says, I'll tell people how good you are. I will tell about all the times. You saved me. Too many times to count. Anybody here? Anybody here? Too many times to count. Let's look at NLT. Okay, the Living Bible. It says, I cannot count the times when you have faithfully rescued me from danger. It says, I will tell everyone how good you are and of your constant daily care. Are we seeing what is happening here? The psalmist is saying, I won't keep this mouth shut. And sars and mass, that is one way you will know that Jesus has done a real work in you. You will tell it. You will tell somebody. You will tell yourself even. And you will tell everybody who cares to hear. Amen? Okay, we'll look at one more or two more. Okay, Psalm 89 verse 1. It says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. It says what? With what? With my, with whose mouth? So you need to tell it. The preacher has been telling it, but you need to tell it. You need to tell it. With my mouth, it says, will I make known your faithfulness to all? 
Some of us are looking afraid. You've never done it before. The Holy Spirit will fill you. You will call somebody and begin to tell them. Psalm 145. Praise the Lord. The first line says, I will extol you, my God, O King. You know what that statement is in Igbo? It says, Agametoya. The second line says, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Agametoya ogenini. I will bless the Lord at all times. That's what they say. Listen, you see, last Thanksgiving, Mamuchi told us about an atmosphere of joy. When you are in a place of gratitude and testimony, it's not easy for demons to, the gate will be too tight for them. Are you hearing me? But when you're mourning, your, your voice is down, you can't speak, you look like somebody that the light of God has never shone on, it's so easy for them to come in. But when at every time they ask you, how are you? You say, the Lord has been good to me. Had it not been for the Lord who was on my side. He says, I say to my soul, soul, bless the Lord. Psalm 145, let's continue. He says, every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Verse 3. He said, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. Verse 4. It says, one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. It says, I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. This is what we are talking about. We are going from here in a state of, you know, excitedness, in a state of revelation, in a state of assurance, knowing whose we are and who has done his work in us. Is there anybody excited here? Is there anybody that Jesus has touched here? Is there anybody here going delivered? Going freed? Okay, let me pray just for somebody. Just raise those hands everywhere. Father, I stand in the place as your servant. And I speak over your sons and daughters. Your word has come to them. I speak that out of these ones, every unclean spirit, every operation contrary to your good purpose for their lives, I command to seize in the name of Jesus. I say everyone under any form of bondage, whether they have invited or opened the gates or it was put on them, you know, at some point, I declare them set free in the name of Jesus. I speak liberty to every man. I speak liberty to every woman. I say thus far and no more in the name of Jesus. You're delivered from every suppression, from every oppression. In the name of Jesus, your mind is liberated. Your desires are liberated. Your eyes are for God and God alone. Your heart beats after him. Your dignity is restored. Some of us came in here and when the word of God comes, you feel dirty. But the blood of Jesus cleanses you today. From every sin you have committed, the blood washes you. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are set free. You are washed, your clothes, you are seated in your right mind. Go forth and testify in the name of Jesus Christ. been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 703 You can find us online at www 
at thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.